This is the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! The only podcast where the host actually admits to driving a minivan. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be sh- And now your host, TJ. Alrighty, so here we go. Chicago Fire post game 2-2 versus the Columbus Crew. This is going to be the dad edition of the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod Chicago Fire post game show because we're both running into time limits being parents and having to be on parent duty tonight. So here I am joined with um, Hot Time and Old Town Senior Editor Pat McCrane. Pat, you're down at the state. You know, I was going to lead off with the question of did this feel like they dropped two points or did they feel like they stole a point? Going into the game, you'd think, hey, a point against the lead, uh, supporter shield leader, not a bad result. Coming out of it, Wiki said it felt like a loss, so it feels more like two points dropped. What yeah. was your impression on the game? That was kind of the, uh, in the post-game story that I just posted. That was kind of the point of it. it, it did, Wiki said it felt like a loss. Uh, you know, Robert Barrett seemed dejected, like really, really down. He, and he... He started to go off into, you, you don't see, athletes are pretty conditioned to give clean and concise answers because they get a lot of media training, but but Barich was, he just seemed to kind of go off on a little tangent. He seemed kind of brutally, brutally honest saying stuff like, I, I don't know what it's going to take. He, these guys believe that they're, for the most part, doing the right things, working hard, and they just can't get it done. And, and even at halftime, when they were up 2-2 and they played a really solid first half, you kind of felt like it was not done. Well, to me, it felt like the things we've ta- I talked about with Brian when I had him on, you and I have talked about subsequent times, and it looks like Wiki recognized it as well. Barich, or not Barich, uh, Sekulik and Navarro as outside backs are great getting into the attack. But when you ask them to straight out defend... That's not their strength. And the, I, it, to me, it was see, evidence. I it was, that- was. I thought Boris was pretty good tonight. He, he made a couple of really great plays coming across too. But he was probably but my, one my, of the guys my, that falls for the final goal. My, my point with that was that you could feel it coming. And that's why that game didn't feel safe. Is you knew the outside backs are vulnerable. Pineda, yeah. and Calvo, Pineda and Calvo have had some communication issues back and forth. It, it's, it, it feels like this team going forward is much smoother than last year, but their defending is it, it's suspect at times. And, I, you know, Giassi Zardes plays for the national team. Yeah, he gets mocked for his first touch. He plays for the national team. He's good. And yeah, he's, he's showed, good for sure. He's MLS yeah. good for sure. And I, he, I think he'd be fine in the championship. He'd definitely be fine in Scotland. I think I don't think he's a Premier League player, but I think he he could be. He he scores goals. End of story. Yeah, and that's what he's I paid did, to do. And I did think it was funny that he assisted a goal that was also scored with the face after being famous for scoring a goal with his face for the national team. So well, um, that, well, there's that, that's true. So, but you know, so Wiki. But I, my getting back to on point was. At halftime, Wiki seemed to recognize that. Navarro took that yellow late in the first half, which in replay looked harsh. At full speed, it looked like a solid yellow. It, it really did. And so you bring on John Borenstein, who is probably your best outside back in terms of straight defending. Yes. 
and he struggled, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I thought Etienne and um, uh, who's the, who's the other one over there? But they they seem to attack that side of the field. Uh, Mok- Mokhtar or whatever, they seem yeah, to the go at his side of from, the field. I said a minute ago, Sekulich, but I think the, the goals actually both came from the, the Bornstein side of the field. Did they not? The yeah, the, first, the corner the corner kick came from the Sekulich side of the field. The second goal came from Bornstein. Right, um, right, right. Because the, but the second goal, I mean, it's a shot that hits Jossi in the back of the legs and falls to his feet somehow. I know Rafa said after the game he doesn't believe in luck. But, I mean, there is, a, there is an element of just random ridiculousness that happens in this sport sometimes, and it happened there. Um, so, it, it, but overall... I agree with them. You make your own luck and the fire have failed enough this season that, that they kind of deserve these outcomes. But um, yeah, just let's, let's walk through, let's walk through it. So early on the fire started on fire for lack of a better term. You had, you had uh Herber's scuff, a sitter or something that he should finish. And within a couple yes. minutes later, they get the opener through off uh, from a drawn and barrage to Georgie Mahalovich, who was on for, uh, I think he was on for Frankie tonight. And right, exactly. Fire go up one nothing. They keep the pressure up. You you know, as you said in your article, double within the first eleven minutes, they get they go up two nothing. On a great cross from Herbers, uh, Barrich gets the finish. I it went right through Rooms le- Rooms legs. Yeah, he had an open goal. I thought it should be cleaner than that, but it counts all the same. A goal's a goal. He's paid to score goals. He scored a goal. He had an assist. So, he kind of needed that sort of goal, I think. He just needed an ugly one, just anything to, to break the slump that he was in, and, and he got that true. Tonight. And I, so I, and that was, you know, one of the bright spots of the game is that is Barrett had himself a nice first half. You know, and then, you know, our uh, sometimes cohort in crime, Alex, sent something to the minivan dad pod said, this is why we start Georgie. And Georgie, what, 22nd minute, picked up an ankle injury and – his night was over. And so you said he's out getting a scan. So we don't know the, the extent of that. I saw said. in your article. Yep. That's and, what he said for the game. and it seemed, and it mattered. It yeah, seemed like he, that took a lot of the steam out of the, what they were dangerous. And it wasn't just Georgie's side. It was her, it was Herber's side because it seemed like Georgie was getting in positions to score and they were coming from Herber's side, but you know what? You knew ultimately they'd start taking that away. And then Herber's side, would, it, it was, they had the outside backs going. Madron was going. Jimenez, oh my God, it just Jimenez was was doing his thing, and they were rolling. And then after that, it seemed like slowly yeah. Columbus got back in the game. If he's okay, I think that Wiki a hundred percent has to start him, or if not Georgie, Elliot Collier in Frankowski's place. And. I, and I, I, that I agree. I, I have my ratings, which we will go through at some point, and then we will post them over at Hot Time in Old Town tomorrow. Um, after you get, we, after we talk through them, and you can make any changes you, you deem necessary. I, these are your ratings, man. I don't make the, these are mine. I, I own them. They are the committee. I call it the committee of one and a half because we talk about them, and then if you if we talk about them and I forget to update my notes, you feel free to change them. If you think I'm wrong, feel free to change it. So I mean, you're the editor, so that's kind of like, that's why I call it the committee of one and a half. So, but they are completely subjective. They are my feelings. I know I took some heat on Twitter about it, but the bottom line is, it's what I think. I'm not an expert. Yeah, I, I'm a D-licensed coach. I, you know what? I watched the game, and this is what I think of how these guys played. 
So, um, but like I said, you felt after the Georgie Mahalovich injury, Columbus started getting in, into the game. And by the end of the first half, the pressure started. Yeah. There was, uh, yeah. There was one That's Pineda, I thought. Sure. Pineda nearly gave one up. Um, you had at the end of, you know, at the end of the half, and then you had the Navarro yellow card, but there was still two nil going in the second half. Columbus starts out on the front foot to begin the second half. Bobby Shuttleworth, um, became a brick wall back there with several tremendous saves early in the second half. And until, until the Zardes goal off the corner kick where they finally conceded. And from then it was game on. Madron had a chance in the second half. Frankie had the one late that uh, we'll get, you know, just they had chances to put this game. Yeah, away. The, the one that like I said, Herbers had Herbers had the one early. Madron had that one where it um, chip Jimenez was a Jimenez, I think, dropped the ball in. And Barrett was offsides, but Madron took it and he tried to chip the goalie when he could have just placed it around him. And the chip wasn't close. Yeah. It wasn't like he just it was not. He, he yeah. scuffed it. And um, it took. To me, the, the the Frankowski one was worse, though. Like it, with the work that that Collier did with the scissors, beats his man, mm-hmm. lays it in, perfect. Frankowski's what three yards out, and and if that correct, sitting right there. And the craziest thing about that goal or that miss was the goal was wide open, right where he was standing, and he, he hit the hit he just happened to hit the goalie against the post. Yeah, yeah. Eloy Room was was over against the post, and he hit it. He hit it diagonally. Whether it was a miss, I don't think he intended that. It was a, probably a miss hit, but, you know, and, and those are hard. Harder than, than it seems. It's, you know, with all the heat that Chris Wondolowski took after the, the Belgium game in 2014. But um, but when you're, you're that close and that wide open, you you have to finish. And, and Frankowski has not scored this year. So it's... I don't think he's been terrible in every game. I think in the last game, he was actually kind of okay, but yeah. um, you got to finish sometimes, man. Yeah. And, and if, he, if he puts that away, the Zardis lucky bounce goal is irrelevant. Seem, yeah. Cause Zardis put that away. So. And yeah. And it, to me, it's one he finishes. I thought Aliceta had a couple of opportunities in the second half. He could have, but the two that stand out were the Frankowski scuff and the Madron scuff. And then yeah. of course, like I said, the one for Herbers early on that need those three need to be finished. A good team finishes those opportunities and it didn't happen. So, nope. and they, and, that, and they dropped two points in a game that they could have won. And yeah, if you told me before the game, they're going to get a draw with the crew. I probably would have taken it. Rafa said he would. I asked him that very question after the game. He said, no, I would not have signed up for that. I, I thought we could win the game. And I think the first half showed that we could win the game. And then we didn't. So, you know, um, and uh, th- which, which brings me to the other, one of the other questions we have in here. Um, it came from sons of a pitch. It's an American soccer pod. They, they're Chicago land guys as well. It says, and their question is about wiki. It says, does wiki need more time or more talent? And it says, we think both, especially on the, on the defensive side of things. And we've talked about the defense. Like I said, I think the defense getting into the attack is outstanding. I think the communication issues with Calvo and Pineda, I think in time they'll work themselves in better position. Maybe. Depends on which Calvo you get. But the defense does need to be a little bit stronger. And maybe Jimenez has to sit a little bit deeper. I don't know. But does Wiki need more time? Yes. This team 
last year you felt like they blew a lot of easy opportunities. They should have been a, they could have been a playoff team, but you never felt like the team was good. This team, when you watch them in spells, you're like, these guys are good. And then, yeah, yeah. and then Chicago Fire luck seems to luck, talent, whatever they whatever the holes in their game get exposed. The holes in their game get exposed. But I don't, you know, any and the and as we talked about in the previous post game, and we've talked about in almost everyone. This has how many? Seventeen new players this year. Eighteen. Something like that. Eighteen. Tehran coming in. Yeah. This is a new. This is essentially half a step above an expansion team. Including, including the, you know, including Heights, including Wiki. I mean, all the way through, this is pretty much a new team. Yeah, it does need some time. And, and again, we do have Sapong back, which is something we talked about in, in his 10 minutes. He didn't do a whole lot one way or the other, but it's good to see him back on the field. I I think that will help going forward. Yeah, I had Uh, this question. I had this question earlier from somebody on Twitter. Like, why would, like... Why would he not start? Because he hasn't played soccer since July 23rd. So yeah. I think you've got to give him one game where he gets 10 or 15 or 20 minutes, just as they did tonight, off the bench before you start him. Now, if I think if Barrett hadn't scored tonight, maybe you do start him, or maybe you start CJ as what, like a, a wide player, like, or maybe you go back to the the two at the top with with both of those guys. I don't know. I think that you've got to make room for CJ. Um, I think. I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see I wouldn't be surprised to see CJ come in in basically the role Collier has come in in the pre today oh, I yeah. guess Collier came in the twentieth minute but in the I guess Frankowski was the sixtieth minute somewhere around the sixtieth minute in the next one as well because he's only again he only have a week of practice now CJ is a pro's pro I'm sure he's in condition I'm sure he's ready to play but his his the flow within the team might be a little bit off yet so I I wouldn't be surprised to see him not start down in Orlando next week, but I do see him being more of an impact player in that game. And realistically, Aliceta's done pretty well in that, in, in the 10 role. And I feel like that's a role you need to leave Aliceta in at this point. I don't know, but like, like you said, if Barrich had continued to struggle, yeah, CJ might've gotten, would be the starter, but Barrich finally got back closer to what we expect out of Robert Barrich. And um, which kind of, I guess at this point, you want to talk, so you want to do some radio? Yeah, real quick. Yeah, right. I mean, I would say the, the thing I'll say on Barrich is like he's not. He does a lot of things well. He's not lazy or bad. He's consistently working pretty hard. I do wish sometimes he is offside and isn't working hard enough to get back on. Um, there was another time where Alisaida made a great decision to not pass to Barrich because he was running offside. He didn't realize it. He was a half step off though, and and um, the defense well, is staying perfectly in line. So it, there's things he can work on, and I, he knows that. But I don't think he's as bad as his goal-scoring record has indicated this year. But, yeah, um, it was good to I see think him Bar- get one because he needs more. He needs more than that. Sure. And um, and then on the Madron chip that he missed, Barrett was offsides as well. But thankfully, just right. kept himself, just stood yeah. there, stayed out of the play, and let Madron come through. So, but it kind of leads me to my first one because I started the offense and went backwards tonight. So I started with Robert Barrett, and I gave him a seven. Okay. Yep. A goal and an assist, you expect that from a designated player. He was active, yep. he was involved, but it seemed like, again, after the Georgie Mihaljevic injury, he faded a bit. And I, like I said, I think his goal was a little bit lucky, but he was in position to make that goal no matter what. He had plenty of op, op, 
options to go. He could go left. He could go right or right through. He chose to go right the hardest way, which was right through. But it count again. It counts all the same. Um, and I, I made and I noted as well in my comments as well that he spent a lot of time offsides, especially in the second half. Um, he was subbed off in the 79th minute. Yes. So. He, I, I noted the same thing. That's interesting that you brought that up. Sapong, like I said, I didn't have enough on him to really give him anything. Yeah. I, there were a couple shots in the nuts that seemed to be about it for his input on the game. I think he he tapped someone, and I think he got tapped back or something like that. <laughs> That's about it for Sapong tonight. <laughs> I, it looked like he ran into someone, and it looked like a shot to the groin, and then it looked like somebody else got dropped on the fire a few minutes later. But at that point, I don't know. Um, Mahalovic, I gave him a seven as well. This is the George, yeah, the Georgie mean, Mahalovich we the Georgie we saw tonight minutes, was the one but... that yeah and that's only that's why it's only a seven that's why it's only a seven is this was the Georgie came on against Cincinnati but this is against the best team in the league he was dangerous throughout he you know his twenty two minutes he had the goal he was causing all kinds of havoc for that crew defense but then that not like I said the knock seemed to take the team out of the fire sales and he was replaced after twenty two minutes and that. Georgie on the projection he was on was going to have one of the best games he's had I, it, in terms of at least how I would have rated at least my ratings, but he got hurt. In the, so that's why it's a seven just because I think, cause it's only 22 minutes. Okay. Elliot Collier was the next one I have. I gave him a five. Um, he had the, the scissors, the cross, the setup Frank, the setup Frankie with the, to put the game away beyond that. He was there. Um, it looked like, he was the one that looked like should have been on. Was that Alashe on, on Columbus's opening goal? Looked like that was his man that got away in the I scrum. Watch again. I don't know. I looked at it several times, and um, and we'll get to the other part of it with Pineda on on Zardis. But it looked like Collier was close by. Is it, I want to say Alashe. I can't remember if it's if I'm butchering the pronunciation, but he was definitely right there. So I think that was his man that got through that that ate the ball to score the goal. The face goal. Yes, uh, Nacho yes. Alaseda gave Nacho Alaseda gave him a six. Okay. Again, it felt it felt like his pass shoot decision making was backwards. Um, but he he had he when he gets the ball, you have to watch because he's going to do some special things with it. And he had his chances in the second half. There was one I thought specifically, and I think it might have been deflected. There was, or there's one that was deflected. Another one I think he just missed wide. But he got himself in positions to score goals. He didn't. Um, but by and large, he was, like I said, a six. I, th- I think he was decent tonight. Um, yeah, Fabian Herbers. Fabian Herbers, I also gave him a six. He got the assist on the second yeah, goal. Yeah, um, yeah. He, but he also, he, a professional should score the one he missed in the first 10 minutes. I, I said he, scu- he scuffed it. He's got to finish that. And Yeah, I would, have been, I would have been fine with a five or a six for Fabian. I think he was fine. He came off, yeah, 61, and he came off in the 61st for Frankowski. So. And then I have Frankowski next because he came on for him. I gave Frankowski a three. The return of bad Frankie. He was gifted a, he was gifted a goal on the cross from Collier. He, I felt he had to work harder to miss it than to score I, it. I still... I want to watch it again after I get home. It's... Uh, it was weird it was like and, I, I, I don't totally understand what happened there i i've i watched it enough a couple of times and i'm like he's but again i i, 
I feel like that's a finish a U10 should be able to make. Um, however, and bottom line to me, I don't care. You're a professional and you're in line to play for the Polish national team. You need to finish that. He didn't. Beyond that, yeah. I don't remember him having much of an impact. That's why I'm like, did he get? Did he cost him the game? Possibly. There were other chances, but that was a big one. So yeah, you, you can't say that one person cost him the game, but um, but he was a mm-hmm. part of it for sure. Mm-hmm. I, Madron, I have that. yeah, I, I have Madron next. I gave him a six. Same thing like Frankowski. He had that. He had the golden opportunity about, I want to say, right around the penalty spot, maybe between that and the 18. He's got to finish that. And it's not. And I feel like he tried to chip the goalie, which you could argue wasn't the wrong play necessarily. He could have gone either way on a bouncing ball, but he missed it badly. Yeah. And that's and that's why I it was a bit frustrating. It's like that was that was a golden opportunity along with Frankowski's. You finish one of those or Herbers. This game's over. It's not a question anymore. Now, you could argue Columbus had some chances as well, but I feel like the chances Columbus missed were because of Bobby Shuttleworth, not because poor finishing. So, yeah, um, he had a, he did have an assist. And early on, he, you know, Madron had a good impact. But like I said, ultimately, because a, as a professional, he, he'll want that one back. And that's why I gave him a six when it was all said and done. Yeah, that's fair. Gaston Jimenez is next. I gave him a seven. Really? His his ability, the number of times, especially in the second half, balls on his foot, he changes the point of attack with about a 40 or 50 yard cross, and he, he drops it that. right yeah. where he wants to. That, to me, is a thing of beauty. It really, really was. And I felt like as Columbus started getting more into the game, he kept, I mean... I, I felt like the defense again. Columbus is the is the Sporter Shield leader for a reason. They're a good team. They got two. One was off a set piece, and the other was off a busted play. So the defense did some things right. So I felt like Jimenez had a good night. And just like I said, their opportunities in the second half seemed to come through him specifically. Again, they got to finish yeah. them better. But like I said, those crosses and the ability to spring an attack quickly. Is something he excels at, and that's where that's why. I, and maybe I just noticed more of what he's done all year tonight, or this afternoon. But that seems to be that's why I rated him highly. You don't seem you don't seem to be as high on him today. I, I thought I don't. I think a seven was pretty generous for him today. But I, I do think he's the best player on the team. Well, yeah. Okay. Point. So you know what? All right, we'll, we'll give him a six. <laughs> so I guess that these these are subject to. Like I said, that's the one and a half. Um, Seculic. Next, I gave him a five. He had a Again, couple the, great plays. I, in the know, first, I, early on, the attack seemed to go through his side of the field. He was great, as he always is. Him and Herbers do really well with combination play. Someone getting up, someone staying back. He was instrumental. But again, as the game went on and he was forced to defend, he struggles a bit at it. You know, um, I, the, the corner kick was on his side. That that was the Columbus opener. I don't know. I don't remember if he knocked it away, but. Columbus was coming from every which way at that point. So, yeah, um, that's why I said a five. He he did. He, it, there wasn't a goal, wasn't assist. There was nothing he was responsible for. You give up two goals and you're one of the back four. I feel like that's about the best you're going to get for the night, unless you're involved in, in scoring as well. So um, Pineda. 
I've got him as a four. And there was I there was a moment in the first half. I don't recall the specific. I just off the top of my head, it was there was a chance that he seemed to either scuff or he blew a def, uh, mark that Columbus almost scored on. But that was the one where Bobby Shuttleworth went walkabout made like felt like he made like three or four stops, intercept interventions or whatever late in the first half. Um, the first the first goal, he was the one on Zardis. Zardis beat him to the spot to get to the ball. He needs to be, I, I, again, I know Zardis is good. Pineda knows he's got to be on that. And that's, you know, so. Um, and then um, on the second goal, the ball deflected off John Borenstein, so it was irrelevant. However, if you want to really nitpick a bit, Zardis would have been offsides if, if um, Pineda had been pulled up with the rest of the, with the rest of the defense. He kind of drifted back a little bit, leaving Zardis on side anyway. But like I said, because it deflected off Johnny B, I don't think that I, the referee is going to say that's going to be enough. That's not going to be a deflection deflection. It's going to be something kind of controlled. And that's why the offside goes out the window. But he did leave uh, Zardis on side. So. Yeah. Calvo. I can be talked into a three out of my game of two. Unfortunately, this is this was the Calvo that I'm seeing more and more. This is the Calvo I feared from the beginning of the year. Um, his yellow card in the 71st was nothing short of a clown show. I don't know what he was doing there. I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't feel like he was deliberately time wasting. Like he was looking for something that they weren't, the attackers weren't getting into a position he wanted, but it seemed like just a, like a dumpster fire. I'm like, what are you doing? You're now on a, on a yellow with 29 minutes of pretty much defending coming up. I don't understand what was going through his head at that point. And then on the on the on Zardis's goal off Borenstein's hand, arm, whatever, Calvo stopped marking him. He was open because Calvo let him go. You're a, you're a veteran NF, MLS defender. You're the captain. You're on the Costa Rican national team. You know better than that. I don't recall if he put any effort in going back to track track back to try and stop the goal, but at that point it's irrelevant. He stopped marking Zardis, and Zardis got the, got the winning goal. Again, of a, he should be better than that. He was ball watching, and that's an issue for me. Yeah, I, I think again, maybe a two is pretty harsh. I'd have to go back and watch that, but I'm that's it, it's it's odd to me that. So we'll bump him up. We'll bump him up to Frankowski. Short of Frankowski, Calvo is probably the most mistake-prone player on the team. And, I, I mean, he's got some quality, and I think he's a good leader in some sense. You know, he, he's obviously the captain of the team, but that strikes me as a position that, you know, just defense in general, central defense in particular, seems like a position that, that the fire need to upgrade. You and can't have it at a certain point. You can't have mistake after mistake after mistake, and it's just oh, they made one more mistake. It's it, these these are happening for a reason. Teams put pressure on you. You have to make decisions, and they're making the wrong ones a lot of times. So okay, and and you know what? And that's fair. And that's fair. And I get Pineda's a rookie, so really it's right. And you can see it, the potential there for sure. It's a different for standard sure. for sure. So well, it, it agreed. And the I think where I have. I'm a little bit frustrated. I felt like 
when Pineda moved to the back when the MLS is drunk tournament, they were they were solid. And I felt like as that's gone on, their communication has gotten and there's in sync their sync hasn't been solid it hasn't been good. And maybe I don't I'm starting to wonder if some if having Kapelhoff next to Pineda might be a would be a better option, but Kapelhoff isn't an option at this point, so um He's okay, not so going to be for a while, as I understand it. So okay, yeah. So we've we've got a couple more here. I I see you're saying your kids are the the guardians are at the gate. So let's yeah. let's wrap this one up. Um, I've got Navarro. I gave him a five. The yellow card late. If he makes contact with the, how high his boot was, that's a red card, a straight red card. He got luck. That's why I think it was a yellow, even though the con- there wasn't contact made, and because there was no contact made, maybe it's a little bit harsh. But at full speed. He was close. He was reckless. That's the yellow card. Um, again, Which is why he, he came out at halftime. I think. Correct. When you know you're going to have to have put in a big defensive effort in the second half, you want a defender, yeah. a defender's defender in there. And that was the switch to Johnny B. Um, Johnny B. I gave him a four. He was brought in to be. He was brought in to be a lockdown defender. He wasn't. The second goal came off of him. Um, I, I felt like I said. I, I said earlier, Etienne and. Mokhtar, Mokhtar really kind of took advantage of him on that side. It was a rough night, and I think he was put in an unenviable task because I don't think in front of him either Frankowski or Herbers were, or I think was Herbers at that point, where they just really weren't solid in front of him. So I, I felt like he was kind of put in a bad position. But when you're brought in to defend and you, when you're on the field, you're minus two for the night. It's kind of a rough night for you. So that's why I gave Johnny B a four. Okay. And then Bobby Shuttleworth, after the opening of the second half, I had him at a nine. I mean, they were going to win that game game on him. Now, ultimately, I settled on a seven. Again, I man of the match, you could make an argument for him or Robert Barrich, but you give up two goals, I don't know if you should really win man of the match. So it probably went to Robert Barrich. To me, those saves early in the second half were why you – what. Bobby Shuttleworth brings. He's a great shot stopper. Yeah. Point blank saves. He's in position. He's there to make For them. Me, he did. And I don't think on the two goals that they gave up, he could have done much of anything the really. First, but the first goal, I and I've gone back and I've looked at him. I looked at those three or four times. The first goal, nothing. He was he was on, he was on the near post. It hit um, it hit it hit, it hit his face and went to the far post and off yeah. Alish's face. It went to the far post. Nothing there. The second one. He had the post that Zardis went to covered, except he was leaning the wrong way. Again, it's a 1v1. It's a tough situation. You could see, and he'll probably look at it, and if you're a professional and you're looking at it going, maybe I could have done a little more because he was leaning the wrong way. Therefore, when Zardis went to that far post, which is where he had covered, you're going to be a little frustrated because it seemed like just with positioning, he had it there. But you're no, not much he could do. That's nitpicking a bit. But like I said, ultimately, the reason why I went from a nine to a seven is he gave up two goals. And any goalie will tell you that even if they're not your fault, you're still that last line of defense. Yeah. So that's seven. So. He was good, though. He was very good tonight. He was very good tonight. Um, his distribution out of the back, he's still not a weapon. And that's why he I don't know if I could ever give him a 10 because he's not a weapon and coming in terms of building into the attack. He's a great shot stop. He, he showed why he's a really, really solid shot shot stopper tonight and. Um, more than adequate backup, but so fire dropped two points again at home against Columbus. It doesn't get any easier next week, does it? Going down to Orlando. Yep, they're going to Orlando. The, 
Yeah. Which is kind of weird. We never, I didn't think we would say that this year, but Orlando seems like they've figured a lot of things out. That becomes a really, t- a real tough game for them. Um, yeah, I think going into it, if they take a point, I'll be happy with that on the road. Of course, that's especially with the fire on the road. But uh, what's your final thoughts with the Guardians at the gate there, Pat? Yeah, it's just, I think everybody's kind of got the same thought. It, it, we, we just talked for a half an hour about a fire loss that was actually a draw against one of the best teams in the league, the team with the best record in the league. Um, but throughout most of it, it felt like they lost. It really did. So it, and it does. Um, and sure. You know, I get positives there, but, but you can't, you can't give that away. You just can't. And, and you know what, I, I think they're going to, I hope they grow from it in that sense. So at the end of the day, um, if, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a Chicago Fire fan, you'd better be reading Hot Time in Old Town. Pat, between Pat, uh, myself, and Ruben, we have stuff up almost every day with the fire, you, every day, um, Chicago soccer. So definitely should be checking that out. Um, another podcast I want to make a quick mention to is the Spitting Fire podcast. They wanted to try and match us up tonight, but with you and I both trying to be parents at the same time just wasn't going to work. But we we'll try and do something with those guys They They do a really good YouTube podcast, so you can definitely interact with them with, um, Tyus and men in red. They're, they're great. So definitely check those guys out as well. Um, we're at minivan dad pod. I do a pod. I try to do a weekly pod, but sometimes I make it, sometimes I don't. And then we try to do fire post games. So, um, I'm at TJ Zaremba. He's at Patrick McCraney or hot time, old town. Thanks for listening. Anybody if two points dropped or two points dropped. And on that note, you're done. Minivan Dad, Minivan Dad, Minivan Dad, Soccer Pod, with TJ. All right, so it's part two of the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod, Chicago Fire Post game. It, this year with Battle, um, you know, it was one of those things, Pat and I had a rush show. And then you put the question out there that kind of spurred my interest. So I decided, you know what? We need a two-part post-game show tonight. So, Brian, it's now the kids are both all asleep. So we get a little bit of time. We get a little bit of a little bit of alcohol. So how you doing? I mean, we haven't talked since the New York game, and it's good to have you back on. I appreciate you coming on. And how you been? How have you been? Good, good. Yeah, we have minivan dad time, right? Like the hour before you have to go to bed, you can do something. Um, it, so yeah. I'm good. I mean, aside from the, the game today, doing fine. Can't complain. It's supposed to be nice tomorrow. Looking forward to the weekend. But, uh, yeah, rough, a rough watch today, um, which made me ask this question because I don't have an answer to it. I think I do now that I have to think about it. But um, And we'll come, we'll come to that. We'll come, we're yeah. going to come to that eventually. But it was um, – but because I, I do want to talk about the game. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to always – I wanted to lead off the show with Pat with the question – did the fire drop two points or did they gain a point? And had you asked me before the game, hey, this is Columbus. They're they're leading the supporter shield. Fire worse than the East. Would you have taken a point? I don't know what I would have said. I, I probably would have still been upset, a little bit upset. But does this feel like I said, when you draw, you, sometimes you feel like you gained, you took a point and some t- stole a point. And other times you feel like you dropped two. And. And then Raphael Wiki in his post game first came out and said, "This feels like a loss." So, a drop two. I tend to agree with him. It, it, to me, it feels yeah. like a drop two points today. Yeah, um, I have to agree with both you and and Raph here. Like, um, you're at home. Nagby's not playing. Um, you gotta get. You gotta win this game. And because they were winning it, 
for, for most of the game, the fact that it wound up a draw just is painful. Um, you know, win now, at home, draw away, right? So they lost right, at home. Right. Um, now my question is, as painful as this draw was, was it as painful to listening to the SAP commentary, the Twitter commentary from from Univision Deportes or whatever? Uh, I mean, I thought I they were. I thought Spanish. they were brutal. I love Spanish I, broadcasters. <laughs> did you um, did you watch the Spanish in Spanish or did you watch? Yeah, it? I listened to that. No, I listened to the English SAP. Um, it's like the worst of both worlds. Like it's it's an American like uh, see American commentating like bombast, but with none of the flair and the character of the the Mexican commentators. So it was pretty bad. And you just see them kind of like almost get phrases, not quite get the right like uh, catchphrase. It's it's a frustrating watch. And they, I mean, they're very hyperbolic about who was doing so well and who was definitely going to win. I mean, they're guessing, they were correct, but they were guessing a draw, like, it's 60 minutes in when it's 2 nothing. Like, oh, this well, is Columbus' game. And I'm like, they're crazy. But they weren't. They were right. But it was it was a funny listen. Frustratingly. It, 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 it was a fr- to me, it was frustrating because I'm I, to me, it felt like they weren't researched. And... Having enough times, I've watched people like Mike Watts who do, I think Mike Watts is doing two or three games today. Tyler Terrence has done several games in a day. You know, any of those guys who do multiple games, they but they're still researched, they're still ready. I felt like these guys did a quick wiki search and went, okay, we're ready. Yeah, definitely not not ready. I mean, you can always tell like when they show, when you get the lineup cards and they try to show and guess the formation. And they guess the four two three one, and they put like Herbers on the left and you know Jordy on the right. Like if you watch, if you know anything about this team, you knew it's going to be Herbers on the right and Jordy on the left. Like if you, if that's how you, if that was your guess at the lineup, like I automatically know you haven't watched another game this year or in the last like two years. So well, that was like and, a, a tell. And and I and I don't know what they do during the week, but I you know I sit there and I think of like. NFL broadcasters or any professor and you'll hear and I, I think of them specifically because they will sit there and talk about who they spoke with during the week and I get it we're in a different time that mm. you can't go shake hands and talk with them but I'll bet they're on every uh, press conference I'll bet they at least get highlights of it and they're studying up on that so they know what they're dealing with and I don't know if these guys do multiple games in a day but like I said, I would think they would they should be better researched than what they were. Then a quick wiki search, wiki search, and then um, looking at the standings, going up. Oh, this game shouldn't be close. Right, kind of, and they really keyed in on that sort of standings, and that was like the point of conversation for the entire half. Was like, this is the worst team in the league, um, which, which is true. Which, which brings me to the question that started this whole conversation for tonight, and it was. You put on t- on Twitter, and it, and I, I thought it was I thought it was a great question. It, it was like, are the five the worst bad team you've ever seen, or the best worst team you've ever seen? And it caught me, and I'm going, huh? That's a it was a really really fair question. And I sat back and I thought about it, and the conclusion I came to is because I've been optimistic on this team all year. I think it's the the be- the worst. Bad, t- worst good team. <laughs> All right, wait. So the, I want the worst playing good team is what you is, is what you're saying. Yeah, okay. I, I would the worst the worst best team. I guess I would say it, it, to answer your question, which I don't think won the poll, but it's 
Uh, this is still up there. The two-day pull. If, if it's a two-day pull. Um, yeah, that's losing right now. I was surprised though, because that's that's actually how I'm leaning as well. But some replies that you know disagree. Uh, Joshua Norgard was like, "This is the same fire team we've seen for a decade." So he was saying, again, best place worst or best playing worst team. Um, and then Chris May saying, "We're a bottom half roster, uh, but look like." A, bottom third team. So I guess he's saying bad, bad. Um, and where do you, and you said you come down on the, this is a good team that's playing badly right now or having bad. Yeah. I mean, on the, on the eve of like fantasy football uh, roster drafts and everything, when you start off the season, you, you look at your roster before they play the game and you're like, there's no way I'm not going to win the league. Like this is an amazing lineup. And then the game start, <laughs> you realize it's terrible. Um, I feel like this team on paper looks amazing. Um, and even the eye test, if you turn on for 10 minutes of a game at a time, they look good. You know, they have a game plan, as some would argue how sophisticated or how complex the game plan is, but they, they do the right things. It just, I, I can't believe they're in last. It, it boggles my mind that they're, they're in the bottom right now. Um, well, and, and I, I want to say, I think you and I spoke about it after the New York game. They're in last, but you get, I, I think back to the MLS's drunk tournament, the fact that they had to go West, like I said, the Seattle game, they got it. They caught Seattle off guard and got to steal that game, but they didn't get a chance to really study San Jose who plays such a, like I said, it's like studying for a triple option team in football. And then the Vancouver game, they got calvoed for lack of a better term, but I mean, they had to go against teams that they weren't ready for at, at the last minute and it's, while it's true for the other teams as well, um, I felt like while you're trying to integrate a new roster and, and, and think about it, this team is no is nowhere near the same team it was back in March. I mean, Jimenez mm-hmm. had been got 20 minutes in pre-pandemic. You know, um, I think Seculic, Navarro, they they had just hit the ground or and it's just. Uh, Aliceta had just hit the ground. This is not the same team. Um, they still had um, the Kronholm. They don't have him anymore. So it's a different roster makeup. And Pat said with the, the addition of the new Colombian guy, 18 new players on this roster versus last year's. It's wow. a half step. It's a half step above an expansion team, especially when you throw in a new manager, a new general manager, a new, you know, general manager, whatever you want to call him. This is not the same fire team as usual. And I know Josh and Chris, it's the results are seeming that way. But when I watch them, it doesn't, this team doesn't hurt my eyes to watch them. The defensive, the, the defensive yeah. mistakes do, but overall this team doesn't hurt my eyes the same way the other ones would in terms of trying to cheer for a team. that's just there. Yeah, we've seen some teams that have got points or more points in this team that have just been absolutely just brutal to watch. You know, uh, like this is the most aesthetically pleasing team I've I've seen in the last in the like recent history. Um, there's some skill, there's some quality on this team, and they can't get it together to get points. But it's not a chore to watch. Like it doesn't exhaust you to to watch a game or to try to pay attention or stay paying attention. So that, they got that going for them. And last, they're um, what's you know White Sox winning ugly. They're losing beautifully. <laughs> they're fun to watch. 
Uh, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Although I feel like when they lose, they lose pretty craptastically. I mean, the last time I had John was the New York game, which was the Connor Sparrow adventure. The Columbus game was, well, that was a dumpster fire. Um, losing to New England, and anytime you lose to Bruce Arena, it just sucks because it's Bruce Arena. But, yeah. you know, and Pat and I mentioned this I, after the last postgame show, after that game. You got to remember, this team missed CJ for, what, a month? They still don't have Kapelhoff back. They still don't, Stojanovic, I think, was supposed to be an yeah, yeah, lost for the back. Mm-hmm. They've lost some players that can play. So, I mean, they're on their second string goalkeeper, which I start to think Bobby Shuttleworth is an upgrade. However, it's not what you were planning on, so you have to adjust game plans according to what you have. So, and unfortunately... Yeah. Unfortunately, what they, they've announced the next three games, it's the game against Orlando looks a lot worse than it did at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Houston, well, they're better than they were. I'm still not convinced that's a that's a game I feel like should be winnable. And then Atlanta, Atlanta is Atlanta's not good. I don't know why. Who but, yeah, who would have thunk it? Yeah, Atlanta having some struggles. And I'm okay with that. Uh, I mean, Dax McCarty scored tonight, so that that, ma- that makes me happy in that game. So, All right. Um, and a four-two win, but yeah. Um, although again, as we re- then again as we record this, Colorado's up four nothing on Real Salt Lake. So just goes to show you, some nights in MLS are just straight out weird. I got Colorado and Salt Lake confused, like for the first four years of watching MLS. <laughs> like, oh yeah, these are two different teams. <laughs> like, I just like c- combine them in my mind. Like, oh, there's a maroonish purple team in the mid far west coast. <laughs> Whatever. Um, the Reddit, yeah, the reddish. <laughs> they're like interchangeable to me. Like, I could still, I, I probably still will gym players when I think about those two teams. But um, yeah, Orlando, Houston, Atlanta. That sounds. Like Atlanta would be the scariest if you're just going on history, but I I don't think it's going to be the the same this year. Atlanta, so. I believe I believe is at home, and if that's the case, that's a that becomes a game you need to win almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then if they're playing Houston away, like it's later in the season, it's not going to be like that brutal midsummer day game in Houston. So. Right. Um. Well, let's take a look. The 19th is that's at Orlando, if I recall correctly. Okay. And um, so, yeah, it's, that's at Orlando. That game, that's, you know, like I said, you talk about stealing a point. That's when you steal a point and you're happy with it, in my opinion, straight out. Yeah. Um, Houston is at Soldier Field, so that'll be a okay. game. That should, now that, in theory, as you said, you, you went home, you, you looked to tie on the road. That's a winnable game. They should win. And then the 27th is, is, is Atlanta at home. So, again, same thing. That should be. That should be winnable, especially with the way Atlanta's scuffled pretty much all year. <laughs> so um, okay. nice to see that. it's nice to see them have their expansion year now. <laughs> They're doing things differently. <laughs> they reinvented the game, right? Franchise, the, the startup uh, season is three seasons in. So I feel, anyway, I feel like six. I feel like six points out of these next three. If you think this, if we think this team is good, six points is what should happen, minimum. At, at some point with the short season, though, 
it's not, it's no longer, you know, winter home draw away. Like they're already at the bottom. Like it's time to start like every, I mean, every, every match always matters, but you can't just let points slip like today. Um, so. And and realistically last Sunday, I mean, they, I felt like they dumped points to new England. Yeah. I mean, I mean they have the chances for both of these games for almost every game since, you know, the MLS is drunk tournament, right? Like, it, they were they're in almost all of these games. Um, the Columbus game, you could, the Columbus is the one. The Columbus game is the one yeah. game I would say I don't think they were ever really in. Right, but they had a chance today, which is crazy. They did have a chance to like either you know, you know, neutralize that that kind of that matchup, but nope, they 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 blew it. But whatever, what are you gonna do? So and and I and I'll and I've asked this to Pat before. I'll ask you the same question. Do you see the glass? I see the I still see the glass half full with this team, and I will all year because again, eighteen new players overall, new system, everything is new with this team. Um, I I still think this is a team that's on the upswing as as a whole. This isn't fire business as usual. I I don't think Mansueto is going to let it stay that way. I don't think Wiki and Height Heights are going to let it be that way. Mm-hmm. Can I circle back to the best playing worst team in my opinion then? Yes. Because let, I was let's, like, go back. let's go back to if that. If this is the worst playing best, like I think I have a clear best playing worst. Um, and some would agree and some wouldn't agree. I feel like I should have asked Jeff Crandall before this since he has encyclopedic knowledge of fire history. Sure. But um, I'm going back to the, the mid teens here. Um, when Mike McGee joined mid season, I just took a team that had no business even trying to be in the playoffs. I think within one goal of qualifying for the playoffs. I think that was 2014. Was um, Mike Me- that was the year Mike McGee was the MLS MVP, right? Yeah, he was magic. That was Magic Mike era. Um, and you look at this roster, and it's—I mean, there are some nostalgic names here. Uh, I mean, Wells Thompson. <laughs> you remember Wells Thompson? Hey, I, um, you could do anything with Wells Thompson. I, I'm I, Thompson. sorry. Yes. Um, 2013. I mean, this, that was the 2013 yeah. fire season. Oh, I, wait, yeah, 2013. That was an amazing season. And they lost the New York Red Bulls after being ahead last game of the season not to make it. And that was a Colpus team, so that's not a surprise, right? You did more with so much less um, in that era. I think we forget how untalented but ultimately almost successful some of those teams were. And then he took his talents to Montreal and, you know, made a, a, a great run uh, in the, the CONCACAF Cup. Like, Corpus did amazing things with, like, a, a, like a, a, bear, a bear war chest. Um, we kind of forget about that. So I'm glad he's back in a support role. Yeah, um, I, I, you know, I, I'm probably in the minority. I enjoyed listening to Frank Lopez call a game, but I do like him better on the sideline. And I think having Wiki come in, not being as ML. I mean, he's a national team coach. He's, you know, he's coached over with Basel. It's nice to have um, some MLS knowledge on the bench. And yeah, I think Frank Lopez is really good for that. And if nothing more, seeing Frank Lopez getting it, getting a, he had a yellow or he get a red card for thrusting at the referee. I thought that was, <laughs> I was definitely a red. <laughs> so, I mean, there was, there's nothing better than seeing that. So, um, passionate man. He is. And he is passionate about the fire. And I, Frank Lopez, I, I I don't know if I've ever posted on Twitter. I know it, I've, I think it's on Facebook somewhere, but there was a game. 
and I, w- I want to say it was at that same season, that 2013 season, I was gone um, doing military duty, and um, they were playing Orlando. This was pre-MLS Orlando in the Open Cup. So my wife went with her friend and my my now eight-year-old. That's how far back this goes. And I, I want to say the weather was trash. I don't I don't recall the details with it. But, um, yeah, they beat Orlando City 5-1. This is Wednesday, June 26th. And, of course, it's Bridgeview on a Wednesday night. Nobody's there. Mm-hmm. They met somebody who had him, got to go back in the locker room, and they got to meet Frank. And... Um, I think he, I want to say Charlie was being fussy and Frank asked a hold of him and Charlie just snuggled right in with, so I've got a picture of Charlie, my, my, he was what, 16 months at the time or 14 months at the time with Frank Lopa, Frank Lopa's holding him and he's now eight. So, wow. That's awesome. It's it like is, it, as an assistant manager is like, he's part manager, like part mascot. I think. Him and Sparky are like co-mascots as far as representing and bringing joy to the fan base. Um, I, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I don't and see that. I don't necessarily agree with. I think um, I think Frank Lopez has a role on this team. I think he's. I still think he's a smart. He's a smart soccer guy. He's a smart guy with the fire. So um, I think he plays. I think he plays an important part with that team. So. Um, there. I just sent them to you via Twitter, so you'll get to see the, the pictures of Frank with holding my now eight-year-old, which really scares the crap out of me. But So going back to that 2013 team, you know what? You're 100% right. That team was – because they made they made their run late in the year. You're right. This is a team that had no business. Um, I'm you looking back. on that team. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go back to that roster. And, yeah, we've taken this one off the rails, but this is part of the Dilly Duca. Juan Luis Anangano, Mike Santos. Quincy time. I mean, this uh, a bunch of lovable guys, or memorable names at least. Um, yeah, this team was almost a playoff team, which is crazy. Quincy, Quincy the fact that Quincy Ameriqua now with um, with uh, Las Vegas Lights. Let's uh, mm-hmm. see, Chris, well, Chris Rolfe was still there. Uh, Quincy Mark Market Santos. This is all very rookie of the year. Huh? Um, like uh, Friedrich. Injured and never came back, and Austin Berry had to take a starting job and wound up winning the Rookie of the Year. I mean, it was a very unlikely successful team. So, Sean and then John. we traded to Philadelphia and he disappeared. So. Paulo Tornagi. Um, Paulo Tornagi. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great memory line. Alex. Kari Samir. <laughs> yeah. <Anna Bubba. laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at this going. Yeah, but they have Wells Thompson, and, and all things are possible through Wells Thompson. Yeah. So. I mean, this is the season that Hunter Jumper like went to ground to nudge in a header, like on the in, in the goal mouth, like to win a game. It was and like they did, like a pile on. It was amazing. It was an insane header. Like he, he like rubs his nose in the grass to get his head on the ball. Such an awesome, unlikely successful team. Alex, they had Alex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this 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 was a special team. You're right, but it was it was the Mike McGee show, which is. Man, <laughs> he was. It, it was good to see. Him. Yeah, I, remember, I do remember that season though. That was so. But does this is this team is this business? I like I said, I don't feel this is, team is business as usual. How do you come down on that? Uh, the current roster is no. I don't think this is an atypical fire team. They play with uh, strategy. <laughs> they, they they have finesse. They play with uh, a style. 
um, and they commit to the style. They don't morph or like adjust based on who they're playing against. They put out more or less the same lineup every week, except for one or two changes or an injury, which is pretty rare in the last half decade as well. Um, they have international level talent. I don't know if it's performing up to that level, but you have an international at right wing, um, you know, Calvo is technically an international. Calvo is international. International, you have a Real Madrid and La Liga veteran as your kind of battery pair six. So this team has the chops. The chops have just not been cooked well. I was going to say, your your number 10 is also an Argentine international. Yeah, and a a future star. And technically, Jordi Mahalovic is uh, uh, technically capped and therefore one of the 30 best players in the United States. I mean, and, and Georgie, your, your two weak points, so your two weak points is were Pineda and Collier, and they have been the two biggest surprises and pleasant surprises. So it's, this I, team is very confusing. <laughs> it is. Um, and Pineda, and Pineda, what, he's he's a rookie. I mean, yeah, he's played college ball. He's, he's a homegrown. I still, I'm still really bullish on Pineda. Like I said, you know, I, my feelings on Calvo aren't there. Or <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of optimism with Calvo at this point. Um, it, too much of a track record in the sense of um, watching the fire over the years with him, or now I'm watching him in Minnesota. He, he just I think Calvo is you you see what you get with him, and that's kind of like yeah I I've, I've I think I'm done with with him in that sense. But he's the captain, and I think he is important that way um because this is such a new team but i feel like he needs to he needs to be better overall i i I will continue to keep bashing him but he needs to be better overall so um if this team's ever going to go anywhere yeah it's not good this year or the results aren't i shouldn't say it's not good the results have not been good yet and yeah, I'm not turning on this team yet. I, I've it's been too they've been too fun to watch. It's been frustrating at the end of games, but I don't have the same feeling that I've had in years past where you watch this game because like you're a diehard and you're gonna watch the game and then you're just gonna complain about it afterwards. Like I'm not I haven't the team hasn't lost me yet, which is I feel rare because I'm I used to be ready to just kinda lash out. And um I guess there's yeah, you know, more important things to lash out and be angry about right now on social media. Um, so maybe sure. that's part of it. But I don't. I'm not as emotionally committed to this team as I have been in the past because you know there's other things. Um, but I'm I'm with them. I'm I'm on board for this. Even if it's a terrible year, I still think this is is the you know a foundation of of a different of a different team or a different you know, franchise. I I think what I've noticed is the people whose soccer minds I actually respect out of this when they're when they're venting frustration, it's not. This business, it's like, it's not, oh, here's the same old fire. It, it's genuine frustration, like, looking at it like you and I have. This team should be better. It, it, the results should be better, and they're not there. It's like, come on. You guys, because same thing. The first 20 minutes today, they were, until Georgie got hurt, they were flying. They mm-hmm. they were they were pretty much on the front foot taking the supporter shield leaders to task. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they look great. Yeah, this, and then this, 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 <laughs> I'm not mad at you, Fire. I'm I'm just disappointed. You know, I expected more from you, Fire. 
I and I think they'll get there. And I, like I said, not like I said. Think about think about it though. Kapelhoff, Stojanovic, and CJ. And you you could throw you could throw um, what's his name um the goal the goalkeeper in the two. But I'm not I'm I won't put him in there because I don't necessarily I'm not convinced that's necessarily a terrible thing. Um, Kronholm, but but you take away take away those three. Kapelhoff, who's been a rock in your defense for the last several years, Stojanovic, who's brought in to score goals and be on your, um, and now you're stuck. And that's why Herbers plays is because Stojanovic is hurt. And then CJ being gone for a month to take care of family issue, to take care of his family. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot for that team to, to over, not much less integrating players in the middle of one of the weirdest years any that, that the weirdest year any of us have ever seen. Yeah. So, Lots of yeah, lots of variables, even more so this year. And the weird thing is like Kapelhoff, though he is a rock, but he's you know a quiet, he's a quiet storm. Like he is not really a leader. Who does does he replace Pineda? Like would that even happen if he was a hundred percent? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's a replacement for Calvo. Um, no, I, I don't. I think Cal- I don't I feel know like where he belongs. What he might have been able to fill in today specifically would have been replace Sekulich on the right side. And do a, be a stay-at-home defender, and because he, yeah. he he would have taken care of that side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you put true. him out there, put him out there with Johnny B, I think you've now taken the game. You know, especially about 65, 70 minutes in, when you needed that, you've now taken that defense and said, "All right, we're done. We're done trying to go forward. Go ahead and try and get past this. You're not going to do it." Right. And when you and when you have channel. and when you have a weapon like Jimenez that can throw 40-yard long balls on on a dime. You, your counter your counterattack remains amazing so um that's what I, th- I that's where I think he would have fit in well um where else did I want to go with this one uh, you know we talked I, we talked before the show we did talk about I'm gonna get to the ratings because we did before the show I went over the same ratings I talked about with Pat earlier so if you're still listening you get to you'll catch on to that and you went through them and there were two you disagreed with so I'm going to come up we're gonna talk about those two. And the first one was Collier. I had him at a five. You didn't agree. You thought he had a better night. So tell me, th- convince me why Collier should not be a five. He was dangerous on the left the whole time he was in. Um, he had Harrison awful on his heels. I've never seen, I don't know how many take-ons, I didn't look at the stats, how many take-ons he had um, on the ball. I think there was a, seemed like a series of four or five trips down the field that he got it like on the left side and just dribbled right at awful awful like falling backwards and slipping doing some like step overs like he's he looked dangerous and he like all Harrison awful looked frightened of him like having to guard him and this is a, above average defender and so that was surprising and I still think his movement is something that Barrage could learn from this guy I don't know how he's under the radar because he's this gangly mess but like, dare I say, like he is a he is a poor, very poor man's like Thomas Mueller. He doesn't look like he's a football player. He doesn't look like he belongs, but he finds space, and he's actually technically pretty good. Doesn't look like he should be that good, but I was joking about you know a PlayStation button masher before, but a lot of those button mashings like work out. You know, I I put him at a six or a seven. He he put in some quality chances and a lot of takeouts. I again I didn't see this defensive gas he did though. Um, and if that was responsible for the goal, maybe he does serve a five, but I think he and, should be above average. 
and that and that was like I said, that's one of those. He was right in the scrum, and it looked like he was the one chasing. Um, he was chasing Alache from Columbus, so that's why I think he's respond. He was response, but then again, the one to me that one is more on Pineda for letting um, Zardas beat him to the near post because Alache just hit his face. I mean, let's face it, it was yeah. It, it wasn't as much of a deal um, in that sense. So, Collier, let's look at some numbers here. Distribution. He had three pass four, along with his scoring opportunity that um, that Frankie scuffed. He had three other successful passes, four that weren't in terms of distribution, um, ball possessions. Let's see what we got from him. Um, he had one. He just only had the one take on today, which is really I. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with. Opta on that one. Um, he had a shot. He had, on? shot, he had one shot on target. So yeah, and that one was deflected too. That one was headed to the corner, and uh, Columbus guy got yeah, yeah. his foot on it. So, so you think he should be at least? You know what? You think? You I, think he I, be a, I'd push for six. I think he had to be above average for okay. performance. You know what? I I'm not against it. Um, the fact that you, from what you saw, you thought he was more impactful than what I saw. Not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree with it. So you know what, we're gonna give him a six today. So when it, when this comes up at hot time at Old Town, it'll be he'll be in as a six. So we're gonna anger a lot of people. Um, yeah, I, I do think that he is a, a change a change maker, a change agent. I mean, it's fun to see what he can do because he has a different player skill than, you know, but man, watching him, watching him lumber, it, it almost looks like the lumbering dangling mess that he's just going to crash through somebody. Yeah. Just, and he's, I mean, he's pretty fast too. I think he's so lanky. It looks like he's not moving fast, but he's covering sure. ground. It's just, a, he's just a weird looking thing, but I'm glad he's on our team. Like I'd rather not you know, play against him. All right. And Whatever. the other, and the other big one was Bobby Shuttleworth. I, you, I had him at a seven. You think he should be higher. So Tell me about it. I mean, tell me what, what you think. Like I said, I thought, especially at the end of the first half, the first few minutes of the second half, he was outstanding. I mean, there were three or four saves that – those are gold. I mean, those are legit goals that he is taking away from Columbus. And, yeah, part of it is he's in the right spot, but he's in the right spot. So that's 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 valid, I, I guess. And I, and I, I, I had him at – like I said, at that point, as I told Pat, I had him at a nine – but you give up two goals, and maybe, like I said, I'm a little harsh on the critique on the second goal specifically that he was – he had the back post covered, so he was cheating near post and got beat to the back post. He'll want that – like I said, as a goalkeeper, if he sees it the way I saw it, he'll want that one back. But you, mm. think, he should, you think he should be higher, so tell well, me about I mean, yeah, you're the goalie, so you see things that I, I don't. Um, but, yeah, if – it was 2-2. He definitely stopped three should have been goals. Two headers and another, I think, side footer from mm-hmm. outside the box. I mean, so there's your loss right there, 3-2, if it wasn't hit for him. The well, two goals he gave up were goals that I don't know if he should be expected to stop. One, like, went off the face of a guy. And that one, so and he, that wasn't, one went, he wasn't set up for that, right? No, that one went, side, went to the far post side netting, no. There's absolutely nothing. And realistically, again, he's coming one. Uh, it's a one v one with Jayasi's artist. Got it. I mean, that's going to be hard for anybody to save if if Zardis doesn't have his usual first touch. Um, 
So no, I I don't necessarily fault him. Like I said, that's the that's the tweaking critique I have of him. And but she still gave up two goals. Yeah. Well, so the second goal also uh, like a an unlikely goal. Like you know, I forget who got their foot in front of the initial shot, but was, jo- was Johnny around, was Johnny B was Johnny B's Johnny deflection B. that went to that it went through Zardis's. It, as Pat said yeah. in, in the first half, it was a it was a Zardis goal. I mean, you think of a guy who scored a ball with his face. I think he scored scored one with his groin with the national team. It's it's a yeah. Zardis goal that way. Yeah, I mean, it fell to Zardis' feet and just put it home. Like you can't to me again. Like Shuttleworth is setting up for that first shot, and then it kind of ping pongs around or pinballs around and falls to the foot of Zardis, and he just. Puts it home. Like, I don't know if that's. He's got one dribble and slots it. Yeah. And like I said, it's a 1v1. It's not a winner. It's not, you're not going to win those very often as a goalie. But the fact that it was like he seemed like he had the back post covered and then got beat to the back post, it's kind of like, ah. That hurts. And and maybe the timing of it hurts. But it's funny. You said that there were two or three goals that could have made this into a loss. But then again, I look at it. Herbers had had a sitter. Frankowski had the, had the had sitter one. of all sitters. Madron had a sitter. Alisada skied one. Yeah. Alisada skied one. He had another one that I think was a rocket that got got blocked out of bounds. I mean, <laughs> there were chance the chances were there. Again, kind of back to our rambling conversation in the middle. Why why we both like this team still? They're not boring. No, not at all. <laughs> and even it's emotionally the- draining, but it's not boring. It's not boring, which you could say about teams in years past. And sometimes boring is what it takes to win. Um, and that, but, I, you know, yeah, I, I look at the fact that this team, like I said, and you, and you look at the age of this roster, there's a lot of youth. And, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of the fact that Pineda is such an important role being so young. Aliceta is young. Um, you know, you look, you, you go down to the bench and you see... Um, you know, you've got the, got the, the fact that they have so many homegrowns that are starting to get minutes. I mean, yeah. all of it's just turned 20 is what? 21 just turned 21 or, tw- or 21 is almost 22. There's, there's some, there's a lot of youth on this team that get, that gets in, gets in important positions. So yeah, it's promising. It you know, when you say this team isn't boring, it reminded me that very recently this team, broke the record for most ties in the, in the MLS. And they very nearly tied that. <laughs> like you can't get any more milk toast than that. Um, just, just have to to go. This team is not only bad, but boring and bad. And they don't have that problem this year. No, they, they, no, they have, no, they, they don't have this. I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm going through the roster. I'm looking at the roster right now. You got Chris Brady, who's 16, who's down in Madison, Javier mm-hmm. Cass, who's 17. Um, Andre. Even Collier and Frankie are only 25. They're still kids. I get it. Jimenez is is pushing is almost 30, but Gutierrez is 17. He's getting he's getting run runouts late. Um, Andre Reynolds still in the mix. Andre Reynolds is still in the. I mean, Andre yeah. Reynolds is still Navarro. Navarro's only 21. Georgie's wow. only 21. Uh, Olmsberg is 20. Pineda's 22. Andre Reynolds is 19. Um, you know, and then you get in the goal. You got Celine, the. Uh, Salinas that are are six are sixteen and nineteen. I mean, there's and the fact that George, that uh, George Heights and Raphael Wiki think so much of homegrowns and of having like uh, for lack of a better term the academy guys come through. 
Tehran, the, 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 the Carlos Tehran, the dude from Colombia, is 19. Wow. It, yeah, it's great. Um, and it's not just saying it to say it and then having them never even break the 18. Like they're, you know, the Madison Ford relationship is awesome. I mean, they could learn something from a lot of how Madison like does their branding and, and does their kind of um, outreach. Uh, it's a great team to be aligned with. Uh, it's great to see that they're loaning these kids out and they're getting time elsewhere. I mean, Elliot Collier was on loan and he's clearly learned a thing or two in, in his apps. In Absolutely. His apps. Well, he, he, so. they sent him out on loan. He was out of contract. He had basically was a trialist and came back in and is now yeah. a successful sub form. So yeah, let me, let me, started. so I'm going to, I want to touch up on a couple of things. Then we're going to wrap this up. And um, the first one is you, you talked about the branding and everything else. Uh, Sandlow reported this week that, in his in his meeting with um with the with ownership that basically that logo's not changing next year. He, I'm guessing this frustrates you, or does it make you sad, or have you kind of accepted it? I guess I referenced this before. I think there's a lot of righteous Twitter anger right now. Sure. Um, and a lot of social social justice level things that are worthy of being angry about. Okay. And, this isn't, this isn't one of them, is it? <laughs> <laughs> a year ago, I was like on a, on a tirade because the, the brand symbolizes everything that was you know, wrong with the fire uh, rather than change the, how we view it. But at this point, I can't, I don't have the energy, nor should I use okay. any of that energy to complain about this. It's, it's a shitty logo. It looks terrible. It doesn't represent anything. Um, the oval... <laughs> still doesn't show up or doesn't render well. It looks strange and out of place. It looks purple. Um, all these things are, are bad, but I it just, I, you know, it's not worth it. <laughs> if people like it, that's fine. <laughs> to me, when, when I left the conversation, it was getting, it seemed like it was getting political, whereas people that were, they hated the, hated the new crest and people that hated that other people didn't like the new crest. Not, not many people went pro- Crest. People were anti-crest or anti-anti-crusters. <laughs> so whatever, you know, whatever. It's it's a, it's a it's a pro sports team logo. I, sure. Whatever. It looks it looks shitty. That's that's fine. Okay. And to me, and to me, I've kind of I'm not pro crest. I'm pro colors. I like the color change. And I feel like, and I I get it. They're trying to make a bad the best of a bad situation because I think um this was the last stand of previous ownership. So. He's kind of stuck with the logo and trying to make the best of it. But if you're looking to change everything up and you're trying to wash out 10 years of crap, this isn't a bad way necessarily to do it. And um, I know Pat's talked about this on the show. I guess the graphics, if we were in stadium right now and being able to see some of the stuff they're doing, I think you'd feel a lot a lot differently. He said you get when you get to see the pregame on the boards and everything they're doing, and you've seen the videos on on Twitter and Facebook, their their media team gets it and they're working their tails off and making it and trying to re change like the whole image and it's a logo crap it's not again it's mediocre at best but I do like the colors so and I don't mind the the complete color change when you're looking to change every trying to change all of it I mean they're not in Bridgeview anymore Bridgeview is basically becoming the Hallis Hall for the fire and the Red Stars you know it, it, the, so many positive things in that so. Mm-hmm. There's that. Um, I, I do gonna... like the colors. Did you notice the um, one of the social field tents 
has the blue and the red pinstripe on it. I was like, oh, that's a nice touch. Like, you know, like the diagonal red they have on their kits. Yep. Shows up on some of the design. Awesome. Yeah. I like the red socks too. Like if it was an all blue kit, then I would be a little more meh. But the red in the socks on the on the blue kit looks looks nice. So yeah, I'm on board. I wouldn't mind seeing a little more yellow. Just kind of pop. But Maybe. Whatever. And and it we'll sounds see. like and it sounds like I think ultimately you'll see some changing. You know, if they went out this year and had won the MLS Cup, we'd be going, this Luna logo is great. They won with it. But they're not, so it's kind of, <laughs> kind of gives us a reason to be ticked about it. Yeah. If so, you're a good team, logos don't matter. Like, look at the Boston Celtics. <laughs> First logo I've ever seen. I was going to say, the one, I, the one I've referenced on the, on this pod many times is, look at the New England Patriots. Their logo yeah, sucks. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it's, it's like super 90s. Yeah. Well, but even in the 90s, it sucked. It, was, it looks like a flying Elvis. But they went to the Super Bowl, Drew Bledsoe, and then they started winning, winning them with Tom Brady. So you kind of stuck with it when you start winning with it. Yeah. <laughs> get, yeah. get to the bottom line. I, I, hope, I hope we have that problem, TJ. I really hope <laughs> you, that's the problem. you and I both get in the show, and then you never know what'll happen from there. So, all right. So we get to go Everton. Hey, I'm, I'm going to let you. We're going to finish on Everton because that's your your team. I don't have an English team, so I don't have a dog in the hunt. I let Pat and Chris talk about Arsenal all the time. And you're an Everton guy, so how are you feeling going into the season? I am confident we will be mid-table. Definitely not going to do anything interesting. But I do think uh, the addition of, you know, Thomas um, and Allen and uh, Decore in the midfield is going to be super interesting this year. I think we have a we have a midfield battery now um, that we haven't had before. Uh, I'm really excited about that. And Richarlison's back. Calvert Lewin has turned into like an actual um, strong nine. So um, who knows? I mean, we could be looking at Europa. <laughs> I don't Europa think they're going to bust. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you and I mean, Arsenal are bust. Um, yeah, I don't expect the team ever to be amazing. That's one of the reasons that I like Everton is because uh, I think to be a fan of a, of a team, you need to suffer a little bit. And I don't mind suffering because we get to, you know, it's the sweet, sweeter. So, you know, they win a game, they win a, against Liverpool. If that ever happens like that, it makes it that much more exciting. Um, but yeah, Hamas Murray, I, I mentioned, sorry, Hamas Rodriguez. I mentioned I had Jameson, which I'll now be calling Hamasen uh, for the game tomorrow <laughs> against Tottenham. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But I'm looking forward to um, a semi-successful season. <laughs> you know what? As, as per usual. But- but you're see, but it's funny. I, I like the fire. You're seeing it half full versus half empty in previous years. So that that's awesome to see. So I, you know what? We'll we'll have you back. I guarantee it. We'll talk Everton again. And you know what? Because I don't because I don't have a dog in the Premier League. I love letting you and pa- letting Pat and Chris go off about Arsenal. I love let, letting you go off on Everton. To me, it's fun as long as it. As long as it's not Spurs, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I could, I, I could have the biggest Spurs. I could have San Luan, who was a Spurs apologist, and I'll just laugh at him because you know what? That's that team in San Antonio, realistically. So, and the fact that they have Mourinho just makes it all the more fun when they suck. It's so confusing that Mourinho wanted the Tottenham. It's, it's, it boggles the mind. I think a lot of people don't like Tottenham because they're everyone's second team. You know, it's like the Packers. Like you have a your favorite team wherever you are, and then everyone still kind of likes the Packers, and that's annoying. Like, like they have general soft like second tier fans like they have some huge fans but like every they're everybody's second team like everyone feels good about them <laughs> so, 
So. You know, I grew. You know, I grew up 30, 30 minutes from Milwaukee and have two shares and have a share of stock in the Packers. That was given to me by my grandfather. So yeah, well, that's another story. <laughs> Hard not to so, like him. That's all right. Um, so we're gonna wrap this one up. It's the Minivan yes. Dad Soccer Pod again. As as I said, the first half of the show at Minivan Dad ta- Pod. Um, Brian, you're at Owen Goal still. Is that right? Owen Goal, yeah. Owen Gold, which to me is one of the more creative Twitter names out there. Um, definitely give if you're not following Brian, you should be. His sock, his fire insights great, and if you want to commiserate about Everton, he's he's got you covered on that one. Um, it's dude, it's always awesome. I you know what? There, we're gonna do this again, and we're gonna do this again, and we're gonna do this again whenever we can, and we're just gonna have some fun. So. Thanks for joining me again tonight, Brian. I I do appreciate it. And as Chris always says, on that note, you're done. We won't give it up.